the HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 97 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell. And I'm Hayley Alice Roberts. And in this episode, we're dealing with killer dolls in 2023's Megan. This is one of my favourite topics and genres of film, so let's bring it on. What do you do if you're a toy manufacturer that wants to keep one step ahead of the opposition? You invest in new and emerging technology. What happens when that new and emerging technology has a mind of its own and starts going off killing people? That's the premise of 2023's Megan. So as soon as I'd seen the promo material for Megan, which was simply the poster of the doll looking very sinister, I was instantly intrigued. The killer doll genre is one of my favourite horror subgenres because there's so much fun that can be had with it. And I think it plays on fears for me that as I was a child, I was really creeped out by dolls. So I think that's why I'm very much drawn to this subgenre. And if I had to go out on a limb, I'm going to say, as of 2023, Megan is my favourite killer doll film of all time, controversially. I prefer Megan to Chucky, so I'm going to put that out into the universe. Okay, before we begin, as always, here's a synopsis. And I'm going to be reading the synopsis this week from the actual Blu-ray itself. It's recently come out in a nice Blu-ray edition called the Unseen Edition, which we'll get into shortly. From James Wan, the producer of Annabelle, and Blumhouse, the producer of Black Phone, comes a fresh new face in terror. Megan is a marvel of artificial intelligence, a lifelike doll that's programmed to be a child's greatest companion and a parent's greatest ally. Designed by Gemma, Alison Williams' Get Out, a brilliant roboticist, Megan can listen, watch and learn as it plays the role of friend, teacher, playmate and protector. When Gemma becomes the unexpected caretaker of her eight-year-old niece, she decides to pair the girl with a Megan prototype a decision that leads to unimaginable consequences. That's a pretty good synopsis, actually. Whoever wrote that, I mean, it's nearly Nick Regarnus level. It's a good synopsis, that. And it sets it up without giving pretty much anything away, which is what a good synopsis should do. I saw Megan quite late in its theatrical run because I was away at the time when it was first out, but I did catch it before the end of the theatrical run, and I am glad I saw it in a cinema because even though it was maybe three weeks into the run, still quite a sizable audience watching it and everybody had a really good time. And I think for me that it straddles the line between acceptable horror for maybe younger teenagers, but adults can appreciate it as well. So it's got a lot of appeal to 
various sections of the audience. If you want the youngsters out there, then you can kind of appreciate the high-tech stuff and the cultural references. If you're slightly older like I am, you can refer back to, as you say, old killer doll movies and see what it's taking from classics as a genre, but you can also see what it's inventing for itself. And I had a really great time with this at the cinema. And I had a pretty good time with it on Blu-ray as well. I think the impact of it is slightly diminished if you're not seeing it with a massive audience because it is a movie that can be enjoyed in a big crowd of people. But it does stand up on its own. I watched it on my own. But it still all works. It's funny. It's suspenseful. Some of the stuff is genuinely horrible without going over the top. It's got a really wicked sense of humour. It takes the piss out of corporate culture. It's got some great parody adverts of toy companies trying to promote the next best thing. It's a really, really entertaining movie. And I went into the cinema with a bit of trepidation because thinking, well, the trailers have all been good. The buzz about it has been pretty good. Am I going to go into this movie and think, you know what, that was a bit disappointing considering what the build-up has been. Not with Megan. No, this is a really, really good movie. The unseen version versus theatrical version argument doesn't really hold as much water in the UK because clearly in the States there was a PG-13 version which is less gory and has less swearing. In the UK, both versions are rated 15. You had to be 15 years old anyway to see either of these versions. But I understand why. And I think the decision to turn it down to a PG-13 in the States, for once, actually works. It broadens out the appeal. The extra gore is welcome for people like me who like to see a bit of blood. But I think if you see it in the version that's got less gore and less foul language, it doesn't affect the product at all. It's still a really well put together movie and it can play without the profanity and the violence really. It's all about the characters, it's all about the suspense and it's all about the parody of today's culture in which everybody's got to get the biggest and best toy and how all these companies are fighting each other for a share of the market. I mean the satire isn't particularly complicated and they don't dwell on it too much but it is there. I completely agree with you. I feel that Megan is your introduction to horror. I think this very much has an appeal, as you say, for a younger audience, for a tween audience. And as you say, the decision to lower the rating in America specifically was a wise move to get more bums on seats because after the Megan dance, which is iconic, blew up on TikTok, all the young people were desperate to see this movie. And I think I was first drawn to it because it has that uncanny valley nature to it and I think that younger people as well be looking at that oh this looks a little bit weird and a little bit scary I'm very intrigued so it's definitely a gateway horror movie and you're right it definitely plays out as fine without the gore and the profanity but it also has that little bit of edge with a little bit more of that adult content in it as well it's kind of great that it has two versions however I do have a bit of a problem with this blu-ray because it promises that there's an unseen edition and i'm quoting directly from the front cover it says unseen edition includes more blood more violence and more megan so 
I'm kind of turning into a teenager at this point thinking, oh, I can't wait to see this version with more blood. I can't wait to see what they've done with it and what they cut. I'm really excited. And there's me going in naive thinking, oh, there's going to be so much extra content. For context, I did go and see it in the cinema and had a great time watching it there. I just went with my husband, so we both really enjoyed it. And then when I got the Blu-ray, I watched it with my mum and two friends and my husband was there as well but the latter hadn't seen it before. So I asked them which version would they prefer to see? And of course, they're all bloodthirsty gore hounds. So they say, yeah, they want to see the unrated. So I'm like, great. The movie plays out, it's quite a slow burn and it doesn't really get into the horror aspects for quite a while. It really builds on the character and the situation between the lead character and her niece. And there's that whole adjustment period they're going through before the threat is actually introduced so it's a really really good way of storytelling so I, I like that about it so I'm sitting there knowing when these murder set pieces are about to take place and I'm sitting there and I'm like getting ready for it and it's just not hitting the way I expected it's just a slightly sustained version of what was in the theatrical cut there's not a huge deal of more violence or anything that upsetting or offensive or anything but the one thing i will give this film and i'm going to praise it for this which trope in horror do we detest on this podcast it's the animals being killed off for no reason trope yeah so spoiler alert does the dog die yes the dog does die however it's done in a very respectful way now to be fair the dog is an asshole I, I just don't like the dog because it attacks the kid. And that's like one of my worst fears, having been attacked by a dog when I was a kid. Not anything too horrendous, but I managed to get away. But it's always been something that's been unsettling for me. I've never 100% trust a dog. And this dog attacks the kid, attacks Megan. So Megan, of course, is reading that as I need to protect Katie, who's the little girl. And she enacts revenge on the dog. But it's off screen. And I was then sitting there expecting in the unrated version that they were going to show a little bit more. But no, it's exactly the same. It's actually very respectful. It's basically spelt it out what's happened to this dog, but without actually showing it. And I suppose leaving it to the imagination makes it more disturbing anyway. So I definitely give it kudos for not going down the exploitative route with pet death. So that's a huge plus. But as I say, I just, I'm really disappointed because I was just expecting more. I felt like I just watched exactly the same film with just a little bit of added swearing that didn't really make that much of a difference. And also just expecting a lot more gore. I, th I thought that the death of the school bully, I thought that was going to be a little bit more gratuitous than it actually was. It's um, an ear ripping scene and it's just a bit more focus on that rip, we just see it, the ear being pulled a bit more um, and ripped off. But it's just nothing that spectacular, unfortunately. So it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth after all my excitement and hype for this. Yeah, it's not like Wild Things, basically, where you get six minutes of extra footage and it elevates the plot and it takes it to other places. And the unrated version actually has something to say. And it's a real delight to find something that's got extra material that gives you another spin on the movie. This doesn't at all. It is just a few more gore scenes. It's a few seconds of violence. The boss is much swearier in this one. 
well, when I say much swearier, he's a little bit swearier. So he gets the most F words. And clearly they've just used alternate takes in the movie because the movie plays out pretty much as it did in the, the theatrical version. Interestingly, if you look at the runtimes for the theatrical and the unrated version, the unrated version is actually six seconds shorter than the theatrical version, which when I put it on first, I was comparing the two and I thought, this is weird. And I kept branching it back to the other version thinking, well, am I keeping going back to the theatrical version? Because I would expect it to be longer. But no, when I realised I was on the unrated version and it's a slightly shorter cut of the movie, I was thinking, okay, so so what's going off here? And basically, it's probably slightly shorter takes in the office, but everything that you saw in the theatrical version, minus the extra gore and the swearing, you can expect to see in the unseen, unrated version, doesn't have any effect on the overall movie. But as you say, gore hounds like us, we kind of go in. If you see the words unrated version, you think, oh, great. Bit of gore. And whereas it doesn't go down the Lucio Fulci route, it's not that gory. It's just very brief additions. Yes, they're effective. For instance, you know, the guy in the lift who gets killed, you don't see his throat get slashed in the theatrical version. You do see very briefly his throat getting slashed and a bit of a blood spray. So it's effective. I would say it's grisly rather than gruesome. And it's nice to see the effects being deployed because obviously they'd shot them and it's nice to see them in the finished product. But if you're going in expecting it to be a wash with gore and all this extra stuff was cut from the movie and you're expecting to see minutes and minutes of extra violence, you're going to be very disappointed when you get to the Unseen Edition. That doesn't take anything away from the quality of the film because it's still a great film. But yes, I'm with you. When they're saying Unseen Edition that gets you excited about what all the unrated material is going to be. In this case, there isn't an awful lot. And what there is, you won't be particularly excited about. But at least they don't drag out the death of the dog. It's very brief. It's still horrible. It's not something that's thrown in for the sake of killing somebody off early on just to get the body count up. Here, there's a reason behind it. And as soon as the dog attacks Katie and Megan, you just think that dog is history. And it is history quite soon afterwards. With the rest of the violence, I'm torn between the fact that I've watched the Unseen Edition and I do appreciate the effects work, which is very good. But after seeing it, I was thinking I could have just happily watched the theatrical version. I didn't need the extra swearing. I didn't really need the extra violence because cutting away is fine. The way that the movie is pitched, it isn't leaning into the gore anyway. I'm glad that I saw it, and I'm glad that I've seen the few extra seconds of footage that were removed from the PG-13 version. But if you haven't seen it, and you've just seen the theatrical version, it's no great loss. You're not missing anything, really. Yeah, absolutely. And to be fair, I don't think Megan needs lashings of gore in her movie to be intimidating or threatening. I think the presence of Megan is enough. So what I find quite exceptional about Megan is the way she's constructed. So it's actually a child actress doing most of the movements for the um, character. She does her own stunts. She's a professional dancer. So that amazing 
TikTok famous dance sequence is just to see what that kid could do is incredible. And then it's a mix of puppetry and also CGI to enhance all the effects. And they do a stunning job. And I think that's what makes this character so iconic, even though she's a fresh new horror villain, but she sticks out in the mind. I think she's especially scary in the horror school sequence, especially when we haven't seen anything like this happen before and she gets on all fours and starts crawling. I think that is absolutely eerie as fuck. So I really, really liked the fact that they build her character up. Like she has a sweet innocence about her, but at the same time, a very manipulative edge as well, because she's just learning about the world and what's around her. I just love everything. It's like almost satirical and humorous in some ways, especially the fact that she sings, she dances, but at the same time, it's super creepy. And I just think they hit the balance so well in this film. And not just that, we've said there's the commentary on the overuse of technology, reliance on technology, how parents are using technology as a substitute instead of actually parenting because of how everyone's lives are super busy. And it's just hard to keep on top of everything. I think that's a really good allegory. But at the heart of it as well, it's all about grief. It's about this poor little girl who's lost her parents. And she has an aunt who is not exactly the most kid-friendly person. She's very much a career woman. And it's the fact that she has to take on this parental role. And it's a really great character arc because she goes from struggling with that to thinking she's found a solution with Megan to then realising, no, I'm not going about this the right way and this doll is taking over our lives, that, you know, I've got to do something about this, to embracing the fact that she is going to be her niece's caregiver. So I think it's a very well-structured arc for that character and it just keeps you invested. And the movie isn't super long either. It just does exactly what it needs to do and it doesn't have any pretense about it because... I know with all the marketing and it was very much in your face prior to the release, a lot of hype surrounding it. And, you know, that can go either way. It can end up being quite disappointing. But no, critics and audiences alike have absolutely loved this film. And I think it's because it just does what it says on the tin. It's not trying to be pretentious in any way. It just knows what kind of movie it wants to be and has fun playing with those horror tropes. And I think it's just great. They have actually greenlit a sequel. There is going to be a Megan sequel. It was greenlit even before the release of the first one, which is quite ambitious. But I think they know that they have got an iconic villain on their hands and there's so much more exploration with this. And hopefully they'll have a completely new story, a completely new AI when they make the second one. All very exciting stuff. We've got a new mainstream horror villain that we can all root for and get excited about a potential new franchise. Chucky who? Yeah, because at the end, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Megan, if if you haven't, then you need to switch off now. Because at the end, although Megan is defeated in her particular incarnation, it does seem that her consciousness has been uploaded into the cloud right at the very end. So Megan's consciousness is still out there, ready to be implanted into something else, which you kind of knew was coming. Because technology is so pervasive, you can't just wipe it out. Which is one of the other points it's kind of making as well. It's all fun. The comedy is quite dark, but not super dark. You can appreciate the spin it's putting on it without it being particularly offensive. It's just having fun with its premise. 
it doesn't need to be super gory. It doesn't need to be in your face with the language. It's just a case of a mainstream horror movie actually setting out to do what it does and not having any sort of weight to drag it down and trying to be something it isn't. Because we've had mainstream horror over the last couple of years, certainly a couple of the exorcism-based movies. And they're all trying to be the next The Exorcist, but they're all trying to glue action sequences onto it and different sorts of jump scares. I'm not going to mention any particular ones, uh, apart from Pray for the Devil. That was fucking dreadful. Pope's Exorcist, that's fine. Don't mind that one. But you do get this problem where mainstream horror, it's trying to be either something it's not, or it's trying to emulate the shockers of the past without having its own template. Megan does take it in a slightly different direction, and it is using a few classic horror tropes, but not so much that it's getting in the way. It's striking out in its own different direction. And I do like some of the... Well, I'm not going to call them needle drops because you don't get the music. But at one point, Megan does sing about how she's titanium because she is titanium, which I thought was very amusing. And then there's one point very near the end where she's playing Toy Soldiers by Martika on the piano. That cracked me up when I was at the cinema. I don't think everybody got the musical reference. I guess if you're of a certain age, it's quite an old song. But the minute she was sitting at the piano playing a bit from Toy Soldiers, I was falling about in the cinema. People around me probably thought, well, what's funny about that? Well, that's what's funny about it. So there's lots and lots of sly references in it. I had a really great time with this movie. Even again, I think there's a lot of rewatch value in it because it's got good characters. It builds the suspense properly. You're invested in what's going on. And it might be slightly dismissive of me to say it's something that you can just put on when you want to have a... I mean, it's weird to say that there's a feel-good horror movie because by nature horror movies aren't really feel-good. But this is the sort of thing I guess you could just put on because it's entertaining, it breezes by, there's lots and lots of memorable moments in it and you can just have a good time with it. And despite the fact that it's aimed at a slightly less adult audience, some of the stuff is genuinely menacing in it. There is one point at which Megan says to somebody when they've, they've upset Katie, Megan stares at them and says, you made her cry. And at that point, it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> You're right. I mean, it doesn't need to be bloodthirsty and full of jump scares to be terrifying. Megan itself, with the Uncanny Valley stuff, looks convincing enough to be a doll, but not convincing enough to be a human being. And it's that difference between it which makes it unnerving to start with. And then when you put over the top of that Megan saying some fairly threatening things, then it is uncomfortable, but it's uncomfortable in an amusing way. Horror fans are not going to get creeped out by this. They're not totally creeped out. They're going to appreciate what this movie is doing with it. Mainstream audiences might be slightly more unnerved than we are, but you're not going to be looking over your shoulder coming out of the cinema, or you're not going to be looking behind the sofa when you're watching this on Blu-ray. It's a good time. It's horror for people who might be thinking, well, don't want to dip my toes in the horror waters. Is it going to be too nasty? This isn't too nasty. You will have a blast with this because it's funny. It's a little bit scary, 
but it's not so scary that you're going to be kept awake at night by it. I think it's the perfect teenage sleepover movie. I can see lots of groups of youngsters picking this out as their collective shared movie experience, and I think it's ideal for that context. Definitely group of friends, couple of drinks type movie. That's how I watched it on my second viewing. It's definitely a crowd pleaser. It's definitely one that you can either watch by yourself or there's more entertainment value, I think, watching it as a group as well. So it's definitely got that about it. Going back to Toy Soldiers and you're saying about people being too young to get the reference. I have to say, I only know that song because of the Eminem version. Fair enough. <laughs> so, so, that's when... That came out for me, so and then I found out it was a cover version from there. So we all learn. <laughs> Great film. I can see a lot of Halloween costumes this year from this film, 100%. And I've really enjoyed seeing the flash mobs as well. There's been a lot of flash mobs, I think. There was, was there a flash mob at the Super Bowl, I think, of, of um, a group of Megan dancers? They, they had them in various sporting events where they would turn up. There was a baseball game where there was a Megan yes. in the crowd. As they were pitching, you could see this this Megan in the crowd just staring out. Very clever marketing, really good way to push the movie in a slightly different way than you would normally get. And then, of course, at the premiere, they had the, was it like the dozen Megans all dancing, which simultaneously was a really good idea, but absolutely fucking terrified as well. <laughs> oh, I just love that moment in the movie. I know it was played out in the trailers, but it was just literally like, when she escapes from the lab and then she's grabbing the knife and then the music starts and I'm like, here she goes. And it's like, you're waiting for it. And just that dance, just that, the dance is everything. I mean, have you seen a killer doll throw shapes like that before? I don't think so. Is all that fluidity in the movement just to make it less human? It's, it's beyond flexible. And then she does that front flip and it's like, whoa, this is some serious shit. It's such a fun way before a death scene as well. It's just I think this the movie gets it right. That you know it is tonally imbalanced to a point, but it just works because you can't really say these days that you get a horror movie that's creepy, funny at the same time, has really strong acting as well, where the protagonists make you believe it. You feel the emotion for them but also you have all this weird stuff going on at the same time. Everything about this film just worked perfectly for me. I just can't wait to see more of it. I'll definitely rewatch it. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do with the sequel. That is just the mystery now of what's to come. Like, really, these days I get that hyped up for horror movies because everything just seems a bit generic, run-of-the-mill, and... It's kind of like once you've seen one, you've seen them all sometimes when you've just seen a plethora of horror films like we have. Darren more so than I, am sure, um, as you've got such an extensive knowledge. But it takes a lot for me to get really excited about horror films. And this one just did everything right for me. As I say, I love Megan. Favourite killer doll movie at this point. I've seen quite a few and I'm sure we're going to revisit quite a few at some point on this podcast. Maybe we'll even have a season of killer doll movies. It's definitely something there for it, especially the lesser-known ones. So, what do the critics have to say? IMDb gives it a respectable 6.4 out of 10. I think the rating needs to be slightly higher than that, but it's not obviously in the low numbers. It has a 93% tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes and a 78% audience score. This film totally blew up. 
it came out in January, which is usually a graveyard for horror. And I think January is like the new Halloween because prior to this year, in 2022, we had the new Scream movie landed January and that did amazing as well. So I think January is a good time as a launch pad for mainstream horror. Yeah, there's nothing coming out in January normally. And as you say, it's right, it's normally a graveyard for movies that you can't release at any other times of the year because there's generally not much stuff coming out after Christmas and anything that they think is going to be a failure, they'll push it out to try and get some extra box office. Not so in the case of Scream 5 and certainly with Megan. It might be the new Halloween, as you say. I really don't have anything negative to say about this movie. Even the Chekhov's robot bit is fine with me. Because they introduce a robot that Gemma has developed as part of a thesis when she was in college. So they unveil this robot and they tell you how it works. And you know, that because they're showing you this robot and they're demonstrating what its capabilities are, it's like, this robot is going to turn up in the climax. And it does. But you don't care. You know, you're led down certain paths. And this movie leads you down certain paths at some point and then deviates from the path at certain points. So it does wrong foot you on occasions, but it's mainstream stuff. I don't want arty thoughts on the human condition, even though this does provide a little bit of that. I want a movie about a killer doll wading into a load of idiotic corporate types, and this delivers a killer doll wading into a load of idiotic corporate types. Of course... Gemma, because she's a woman in technology, they have to make her slightly more geeky. So they take away a little bit of Alison Williams' glamour because it's like, well, this woman's in technology, so she has to have very straight hair and she has to be very serious and she has to be focused on everything and she has to be slightly personality-free at the start. I get all of that. That's the tropes. That works. As you say, she does develop as a character and you do see the real person come out. Early on, she says something like, um, they're talking about screen time. And Katie said, you know, how much screen time have I got? And Gemma just says, what's screen time? That's the typical computer gig. There is no such thing as screen time because you're at a screen all the time when you're in this sort of industry. I mean, it's not having a go at that kind of focused IT person because she does ultimately turn out to be the hero. I don't think you can talk about Megan in kind of a, in the way that you would as, a, as like an art film, because it's meant as a piece of entertainment, and it is really, really entertaining. And to pick holes in it because the plot is ridiculous, well, why would you pick holes in it? It's about a killer doll. It's a daft plot to start with, so just go with it. And everybody is bringing the rare game to it. It's got great performances. The director clearly knows what he's doing. He can shoot suspense. The girl who plays Megan is clearly amazing. Apparently did most of her own stunts, did the running on all fours thing without any sort of problem, according to the second unit. So, yeah, I'm quite happy to see another Megan movie. Normally you come out of these things and they're building to some sort of franchise and you get to the end and there's an open end and you think, oh, Christ, there's not going to be another one of these, is there? No feelings about that with Megan. When they show that little kind of Alexa thing blinking and you think oh shit she's got into the alexa it's more amusing than anything else and it's like yeah let's see where they go with the next one because it should be fun i'm not sure that they're going to have the same protagonist although i guess if it's megan again maybe Gemma's going to return to battle it once more whatever they do with the second one i'm here for it i'll watch it 
and I hope it's up to the standard of the first one. I think as long as they keep ideas fresh and go in new directions with this, the possibilities are endless. I think there's definitely scope to focus on different characters. I mean, I don't mind necessarily if Gemma and Katie come back because I feel their story has kind of completed. We can have her maybe back in a cameo role, a bit like how Ali Lata is in the sequel to Final Destination, maybe something of that nature. But either way, I'm excited to see which direction it's going to go in. Bring on more Megan, because she can be anything she wants to be. And as you say, her consciousness is out there, and she's learning all the time. Yeah, (laughs) hopefully in the second one, we do get the promise of more blood, more violence, more Megan, because the Blu-ray doesn't kind of deliver that. It's a nice marketing ploy, which I fell for. I would have bought it on Blu-ray anyway, and to just have this slightly different version, it's fine, but actually deliver it in the second one. I like the idea that they have two versions, though, because I like that there's a version out there for younger people, new horror fans, people that are trying to dabble in horror a little bit, and a version for people like ourselves who can handle a little bit more of that gore. Let's say there's not much in this, unfortunately, We were both very naive and got too excited about this whole unseen version. But, you know, we'll learn our lesson. Hopefully next time round, whatever promises that to us will deliver and uh, it will make up for this. But and also have to say about the director, uh, Jared Johnstone, if you haven't seen his debut feature film Housebound, which is a New Zealand film, we saw it at festivals back in the day. Definitely an interesting one to look at because, again, balances the horror and suspense with comedy in a very, very well-structured way. So I think it was quite exciting knowing that he was going to be taking on Meg and thought this film was in safe hands. Yeah. Housebound, slightly more adult. So if you're thinking about screening that for your kids, maybe you want to watch it first. It's a bit more forthright than Megan. And I do remember there's quite a lot of bad language in it. So if you are going to check Housebound out, great movie absolutely would see it but if you're thinking oh yeah sleepover movie like megan maybe not the same kind of ballpark i'd just stick to megan if you want the if you want the ultimate sort of gateway horror megan is perfect housebound slightly different proposition so with all this said i think megan is the horror film we never knew we needed and i'm so thankful it exists i do wish we could chat longer And that's it for episode 97 of the HD Movie Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode and would like to keep up to date with our future content and also review our past content, you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at the HD Movie Podcast. Next episode, we're staying with recent releases. We have another 2023 movie. We're heading back to our strand of ambitious women and romantic complications with let's get the title right on prime video love bubbles and crystal cove yeah these titles for these hallmark-esque movies keep delivering and if you thought the irresistible blueberry farm was something wait till you see this one catch up with us in the next episode as we try not to laugh and talk about a successful woman and her business and a guy. Get ready for it, everybody. Uh, uh, I can't wait for this. I, I, in fact, I can't wait for you to find out what the synopsis is for this one, but we will save it 
until the next episode. So until then, stay safe, everybody, and we'll see you soon. The HD Movie Podcast is presented by Hayley Alice Roberts and Darren Gaskell. Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bay. You can find the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes and Podbean.